Eagles Entertainment. The journey of the draft is driven by AAA. AAA roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 21st pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and the Senior Bowl week of practice is in the books. We've had a great week here on the show, and I am really, really excited to put a ribbon on our coverage of the event down in Mobile, Alabama. We're going to kick things off here with Draft Buzz, where I am joined once again by Dane Brugler to get his thoughts on what he saw on the third day of practice. And he and I are going to give out some awards. It's always it's a tradition at the Senior Bowl where they give out their practice players of the week at every single position. So Dane and I, we're going to do exactly the same thing. We're going to give out who we felt really stood out every single day of practice down in Mobile, Alabama. After that, I am joined by Ben Fennell and Pick 6, where we are going to keep the conversation going, except turning the page a little bit to Saturday's game. Who are six, where are six matchups that we are both excited to see? We will cover uh, a bunch of players in that one. These guys are going to start getting pitted against each other in this matchup on Saturday afternoon down in Mobile. Afterwards, I'm caught up with UCF defensive backs coach Willie Martinez. He's going to talk about two of the guys that have generated the most buzz down there in Mobile, and that's safety Richie Grant and cornerback Aaron Robinson. Willie Martinez, one of the first coaches I caught up with for this week, and he just could not stop raving about these guys. It was just fun catching up with these coaches every single day here on the show to get their insight, not just to what these guys bring from a skill set standpoint and how they use them on the field, but also who they are as people, what they bring to the future, uh, or what they bring to their future NFL teams off the field as well. So I'm excited uh, for you guys to hear my conversation with Willie Martinez. We've got a couple of questions we'll hit on from you guys at home as well in our draft mailbag. Before we get things started, just want to remind you once again about jumping on our Apple podcast page, leaving a rating, leaving a comment. We're doing a lot of work putting together all these shows. Hey, take a few seconds, go over, leave us a question, leave us a comment. Really appreciate everybody that has done that throughout the course of this week. We're going to continue bringing you all kinds of coverage twice a week here on the Journey to the Draft podcast all the way up through draft weekend. Cannot wait to get things started. Excited to turn the page here after the big trip to Mobile. That being said, let's get things started here. It's time to kick things off with Dane Brugler in Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, well, let's get into today's action here with Dane Brugler. Dane, uh, the, the final practice in the books, obviously a very unique situation down there uh, for this year for the 2021 Senior Bowl, but uh, you're, you're on the other side. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it always goes so fast. It and e- even a week like this where it was all different and we were all kind of learning on the fly, uh, I mean, there's no other way to, to describe it than a, just a success. And, you know, credit to Jim Nagy and his staff for making yep. it happen. Uh, yeah, now we can focus on the game and uh, see how that goes. So, but it was a very, very good, uh, productive week of, of practice. Well, you mentioned uh, taking a look at the game, and we are going to kind of do that a little bit here uh, in this segment as well as in the next one. And uh, we'll start things off with, uh, I guess, some newsworthy items because uh, I feel like going into today's practice, there was a decent amount of injury news, and then even coming out, uh, there were some as well. What are some of the injury nuggets that you could share with us, at least for guys that are, we feel are in danger of missing Saturday? Uh, yeah, there, there are quite a few. Uh, Malik Herring has a torn ACL. Uh, he was out there today on, on crutches. His uh, right leg was in a, like an air cast. Um, so it's tough news for him. That's a, one of the, the, really the only serious, serious injury um, that we know of. 
Uh, Deontay Smith, the tackle who's just had a great week uh, out of East Carolina. He has a sprained ligament in his thumb. So they kind of shut him down the rest of the week, but he'll be fine. Uh, that's just a, that's a short-term injury. Uh, Quinn Miners, uh, it, the legend continues with this guy. He, he broke his right hand uh, earlier today in practice. Not only did he finish practice, but he still plans to suit up and play on Saturday. Uh, some pretty impressive toughness from this guy. And the right hand is a snapping hand. So I'm guessing he's only going to play guard. Uh, but yeah, just credit to him for pushing through. Uh, Mac Jones, he had a rolled uh, left ankle during practice today. He he played through it. Uh, he said he doesn't know yet about Saturday. It really depends on you know the swelling and how it feels the next two days. Uh, hopefully he's able to go. If not, it's going to be a lot of Kellen Mond and, and Jamie Newman on that uh, on that squad. Uh, and then there were a number of players who pulled out for minor things. Uh, Peyton Turner from Houston was one. Um, Oklahoma's Trey Brown. Uh, he started uh, today's practice, and then after uh, a few drills, he had to take himself out, went to the locker room, came back out uh, with without his pads, had street clothes on. So it uh, looked like a minor thing, uh, not nothing to be concerned about, but still is a bummer to see him go out like that. Yeah, no question, because he was one of the corners <clears throat> that I feel has had uh, one of the better weeks. And we, we will give out our practice player awards uh, at the end of the segment. But before, before we get there, we're going to go through your six takeaways. Uh, we'll start with the, the national squad. What's your takeaway number one from that side of the ball? Frank Darby grabs the spotlight. So uh, several wide receivers sat out for the national squad today. No D. Eskridge, uh, Sage Surratt sat out, Tylan Wallace too. Uh, and that really opened the door for Frank Darby to step up and have himself a day. And he did a great job stacking corners vertically. He went over the top. Uh, he's able to create separation with his acceleration out of his out of his breaks. Uh, really good hands. And he's done it all week, but I think he was at his best today. And it also helps that he's one of the more energetic players out there. So it's just it's great to see him having fun and all the players having fun with him. He had a he had a great day. I do miss getting that because you don't get that from watching the film uh, in my basement is like, who are the guys that are bringing the juice? And uh, yeah. so Darby was one. Is there another guy or two that stands out to you as uh, being that kind of tone setter? Yeah, there's a few. Um, who, oh, uh, a guy we'll be talking about here pretty soon. Richie Grant. Definitely. I mean, when he made a play, everyone was just going nuts uh, on that defense. They loved him. Uh, the linebacker, uh, Stewart, uh, from Houston, uh, it, it just seems like everyone's got so much respect for him because of the way he plays the game. Mm. It's just nonstop speed all the time. He loves it. So energetic. And that definitely is something his teammates notice. You mentioned, uh, Eskridge and a couple of uh, Tylen Wallace, a couple of those other receivers. Are there, are there any thought that those guys will miss Saturday or is it just kind of minor thing? Uh, just keeping them on the sideline right now. Yeah, I don't. I was trying to get clarification. I don't know if you know Eskridge had just he was so good the first two days. He said, you know what, let's just not risk some, something happening. And I, you know, I, I don't know. Hopefully, we see those guys suit up uh, on Saturday, uh, but that's unclear at this point. All right, let's get to uh, takeaway number two. So takeaway number two, Dylan Radens continues to be just a solid, rock solid player. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you know, Radens has been a little bit of a slow burn for me in terms of getting a great feel for his next level ceiling as a player. Uh, he's a really good run blocker. We know that, but the question has always been pass protection. Could he hold up in space? And this week, I think he's done a nice job. He's staying in front of blockers. He's not allowing his base to narrow at contact, which I think has created trouble for him in the past. Uh, he, he's, he showed that he can stay on the outside. He can play tackle this week and he, he hasn't looked out of position. 
And then for their third takeaway, uh, let's go to the next one because uh, Raiden's, I agree, kind of a little bit of a slow burn for me as well. Uh, you know, I don't know that he's going to go as high as people have thought in the past, but uh, a good player uh, nonetheless. What was your third takeaway? So sticking with the small school theme, Ellerson Smith, uh, mm. he's flashing some pass rush juice. Uh, really productive at the FCS level, but you know, how would he fare against better blockers this week, uh, especially after not being able to play this year? Today he was awesome. He he got James Hudson on a, by widening outside before jump cutting back inside. Uh, he accelerates really smoothly around the edge. Just a tough guy to control. So he started to heat up more and more as this week has gone on. Had, just had a really good Thursday practice. He was a guy I brought up uh, in yesterday's show as a guy who really has kind of exceeded my expectations coming into the week. He he has certainly flashed uh, throughout the first couple of days of practice. Uh, let's go to the the American side now to the Carolina Panthers. So what was your big takeaway uh, coming out of that practice today? Well, Mac Jones, he was at his best on day three, really? and he, he's been solid this week, uh, but he saved the best for Thursday. And this is what you want to see. You want to see the quarterbacks get better every day. And I think we've seen that with Jones, the anticipation, the touch, the accuracy, all on point. Uh, and he was fighting through an injury, something that, you know, that's not going to go unnoticed by evaluators because he rolled his ankle early in the practice and he, he fought through it. Mm. Uh, I thought he did his best during the red zone drills where you have to be quicker with your decisions. You have to be pinpoint with your throws. And he did he did both of those things very, very well. Let's go to uh, takeaway number two. DJ Daniel uh, has a chance at redemption. And, Ooh. you know, he was considered a day two pick over the summer, uh, but he got lost on that Georgia cornerback depth chart really needed a strong week here in mobile to get his draft stock back on track. The first two days, a little rough for him, but I thought he got a little bit of redemption today, especially in the red zone drills. You see the athleticism, the recovery quickness. He can stay on top of routes. Uh, I think he's giving himself a little bit of momentum for the rest of the process, which is good to see for him. I feel like when the field shortens, that's a benefit for him for sure. Definitely. No, that makes sense because he has the athleticism. He can move really well. It's just, you know, he sometimes he overthinks things uh, and, you know, he allows that spacing to occur between him and receivers. But no, I think that's a great point with the smaller field. He was able to capitalize and he looked good. Let's go to uh, your third takeaway. All right. So I couldn't help myself. Uh, Richie Grant just continues (laughs) to ball out. I mean, this guy, I've talked about him every day. I know. But and I think we're we're not done talking about him on this podcast. No, uh, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but like he just continues to perform at a high level, a very high level. Uh, three interceptions today during practice, flying around, making plays, range, ball awareness. Uh, he's just been outstanding. He, he's one of my favorite players in the draft. Just just an awesome awesome week for him. Uh, Jim Nagy echoed that sentiment uh, yes. today, retweeting you, uh, saying he agreed with you when you uh, tweeted that out. Uh, all right, let's go to uh, the moment everybody's been waiting for, and that is the journey to the draft practice players of the week. The, the senior bowl, this is now a tradition they've been doing for the past few years where they will release uh, the players at each position uh, that were the practice players of the week. Not necessarily guys that we think are going to get drafted highest or the best overall prospects, but just who had the best week of practice. We'll go position by position here. I'll let you kick things off. We'll just go to uh, to quarterback to start. Yeah. And, th- and those are voted on by scouts. So I'm, I'm really interested to see uh, who the practice players are uh, when, when that comes out. So for me though, I quarterback, I'm going to go with Mac Jones. Um, yeah. Like I said, I thought he had his best uh, day of practice here on, on Thursday. He really got better throughout the week. Uh, and, and part of this is none of these other quarterbacks really kind of, you know, grabbed a hold of uh, that top spot or, you know, really took advantage of it. I thought, I, I think everybody was okay. They were solid. 
uh, Mac Jones is really the only one that I came away say, you know, really loving what he had done this week. And I think for me, just from that standpoint, we talked about this yesterday, that that's one element of not being there that I miss is just being able to see those quarterbacks throw live. I admittedly have not been paying as close attention to the quarterbacks when I'm watching all the film, the guys that, but what you said there at the end is what stands out to me is that it's not like any of the other guys have made that step to say things that make me say like, Oh, all right. Like this guy has really, really stood out. Um, So I will, I will uh, stand with you there on Mac Jones. Let's go to running back. Who's uh, who's your guy here? Yeah, this is a really good group of running backs. Uh, I mean, I I think that you could make a case for several guys here. I went with Khalil Herbert. um, And aside from a few drops, I thought Herbert had a great week, uh, rarely beaten pass pro. Uh, He reaches his top speed so quickly as a runner. And, And so he was creating some chunk plays uh, on drills. It's a crowded position. Some really good senior backs. Uh, you know, Elijah Mitchell uh, ha- had a really good week. Uh, Michael Carter from North Carolina. Um, you know, there, there are a couple guys that really uh, you, you could pick here, but Herbert gets my vote. So it came down to two guys for me. It came down to Larry Roundtree from Missouri mm-hmm. and Chris Evans from Michigan. Yes. And I ended up going with Chris Evans. Yeah, First of all, I like in, it. in one-on-ones, I thought he was outstanding all week. He, he showed up as a blocker and just carved up defenders in, in uh, uh, routes uh, every single time. I mean, every single day he was out today. He was just killing guys on Texas routes. You see him work vertically, didn't put a ball on the ground. Uh, I thought he looked decisive in the inside run drills as well. Roundtree maybe have a little bit of an edge there, but I thought that Evans did enough in one-on-ones to, for me to say uh, who'll get the practice player of the week at the running back spot. Let's go uh, to, uh, I, I, I agree with that. I, I think, you know, especially Kim coming in at 220 pounds and yeah. you know, he, he, he's looked really good. So I, I agree. I mean, he's another guy that absolutely is deserving of that. So I like that coming in. I was like, ah, I don't know if he's going to end up being yeah. drafted. We'll see. And I think right. now it's like, yeah, he's, he's going to be drafted. I, they didn't use kinda, him. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he had like 18 touches this year. Like something, right, something right. like that. And he, he missed all of 2019 because yeah. the academic problems, he comes back this year. This is, you know, supposed to be a, a big year for him and they just, they didn't use him a lot. And you know, I don't, there's, there's more to dig in there yep. into there, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. He helped himself this week. This is a tough one now coming up. Wide receiver, a uh, lot of options here for us. Uh, where did you end up falling here? I think if Dwayne Eskridge would have played today, practiced yeah. today, I, that would have been my pick, easy yep. pick, but he didn't. He sat out, and, you know, I, for injury or other reason, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to Mario Rodgers uh, just because of uh, – he's just so steady, so consistent. Uh, every day, strong cuts, strong hands – Excellent body control, the play strength. I mean, all that we've come to expect from Amari Rogers, and he did it on a consistent basis uh, on every single drill. So he he gets my vote for uh, the practice uh, wide receiver of the week. So I went same thought process as you, uh, thinking about that with Eskridge, thinking about that with Tylen Wallace, who I thought was really good. Mm -hmm. I ended up going with Cade Johnson. Uh, not that sure. That was my he, second. That was my yeah, second choice. Yep. Yeah. Not sure. He put a ball on the ground all week. Uh, showed up as a route runner. Showed a little bit more juice vertically than I expected coming in as well. Um, you know, I, I thought that he was really, really good throughout. Though this receiver group, we talked about this yesterday too. This receiver group overall is a, is a really deep, talented group uh, of wideouts, and there were a handful that I was like, yeah, like. You know, Austin Watkins, we didn't talk about enough. We didn't talk yeah. about Josh Palmer enough. We didn't talk about, uh, you know, there's a bunch of these guys that I'm like, yeah, like we should have given this guy more love throughout the course of the week. But the, the whole group as a whole was just really, really impressive. Um, let's go to, uh, to tight end. Uh, who's your pick here? So uh, in my opinion, none of these tight ends did a lot to get you excited this week. Uh, yep. I went with Trey McKitty. Uh, okay. 
he flashed some intriguing ability. He had a one-handed grab yesterday. Yep. Uh, today he ran well, caught the ball. Uh, you know, he gets the edge for me. But in all honesty, uh, I wasn't blown away by any of the performances by these tight ends. They were all just kind of solid, okay. Um, and, but McKitty, to me, uh, at least flashed a little bit that kind of gives him the, the edge here. So for the same reason of what you just said, like none of them really flashed to me either on film except for one guy, and I'm going off the board here, the last guy on the roster, John Bates from Boise. And the reason why is really? that he blew me away as a blocker. As We're a talking, blocker. Yeah. Yep, no question. And he he did have a diving catch in one-on-ones on day one. I didn't forget about that. Uh, so he did show up once at the catch point. But uh, what he did as a blocker just really stood out to me every single day. I mean, one-on-one with Patrick, Patrick Jones multiple times. You see him in yeah. inside run. You see him uh, in pass protection drills as well. Not even the one-on-ones, but just in team period, what he did time after time after time, uh, I thought was really impressive. He's going to find a role in the league. He's going to play. Uh, I really liked what I saw from John. Well, and it's funny because at one point watching drills, uh, there was team drills, and I'm looking over, and someone made a nice block. I was like, wait. I didn't know Boise had a tackle out here, and I yeah. get my binoculars out. I'm like, well, no, that's, that's the tight end. I mean, he yep. was – he, he did a really nice job, no doubt. Now, now him as a receiver, that that's where I kind of that's yes. where it, I, it gets a little rough because it he just it doesn't run very well and nope. the catch radius is not as as big as you would hope. But yeah, as a blocker, I, I agree he can stick in this league. There's uh there's not a lot of giddy up there uh, getting out of the box <laughs> no. there. Uh, let's go to the offensive line, and I think this is a relatively easy one. Yeah, Quinn Miners. I mean, what's left yep. to be said? He yep. he aced the exam. Uh, came to Mobile. Uh, jumped what three, four rounds? Uh, I mean, I, that sounds crazy, but he was dominant this week. And when you figure he was viewed as a sixth or seventh round pick coming in, now uh, we're going to be talking about him as a possible day two guy. Uh, just it's kind of crazy to see uh, the ascension that he's been able to make. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe they do like an overall practice player of the week, and. Yeah then that that guy is not eligible for his position. So I kind of wonder, all right, is that going to be minors? And if so, who would be the guy that would step up in his place? I thought about that because I know all right, you're going to go Quinn Miners. Let me think of who his second name could be. And I settled on the guy that you brought up earlier, Deontay Smith from East Carolina. Yeah. Uh, I thought that Smith, first of all, and this shows up on film when you watch him, really athletic. I mean, explosive out of his stance, really fluid laterally and linearly uh, has the ability to get from a to B, but then really light feet. And he's got an edge to him. He's going to try and finish. Uh, there were a couple other guys that I thought of, I thought, you know, I thought Raidens was solid. I thought that David Moore from Grambling got better from day yep. one to day two. Um, you know, I think that there were some similar guys that made those kinds of jumps. But uh, for me, Deontay Smith was the guy that every day I was like, yeah, like more good reps from Deontay Smith. There's Smith again. There's Smith again. Um, and he did it at multiple positions too, from multiple sides. So you see him at left tackle, you see him at right guard, you see him at left guard. Uh, and I thought across the board, team drills, one-on-ones that he really flashed. hundred percent. Yeah. If, if it's not minors, then I think Deontay Smith absolutely deserving of that. This one was a tough one for me because I, I didn't know which way to go here. Yeah. Defensive line. Uh, where did you end up settling in? So I, and I didn't expect to go this direction, but okay. after watching him today, uh, I went with Cameron sample. Uh, Ooh, nice. yeah, he put together a great week. Uh, one-on-ones he won with power. He won with quickness. Uh, the fact that he could do either, that's what kept blockers guessing. Cause they didn't know what he was going to throw at him. Uh, does a great job with a setup. He can cross the face of blockers and he's not shy using his hands to bully when the opportunity is there. So sample whether he's lined up inside or outside he consistently stood out 
Dude, that was my name. That's who. That's who exactly who I was going to go with. And I thought that his his quickness off the ball. I thought he had some secondary quickness to be able to disrupt. Uh, Zarike, I thought looked really good day one, but obviously uh, the injury kind of uh, takes him out of the running here. I would say if I wasn't going to go camp sample, if I want to throw another name in there, I think Oso Digizua has done some nice things to, over the course of the week. Uh, you know, I, I would say that, and he's done it from multiple uh, techniques as well. He's lined up up and down uh, the defensive line. Like I said, I struggled kind of saying like, all right, who, who are the guys that I really want to consider? I've seen flashes here and there, but right. it, I ended up sitting on sample. I said, I think sample might've had the best overall week uh, of that group. Let's go to a uh, linebacker here. So I went with Jabril Cox. I thought he did a really nice job in coverage, which, you know, I think is expected considering he is very comfortable in space. He can stay on top of routes. Uh, it really gives him an edge as a linebacker. Moves really well in space for a 235-pounder. Uh, and so for me, Jabril Cox, because of what he can do in coverage, that, that really stood out. I actually liked uh, what he did as a pass rusher as well. I thought in, yeah. in uh, pass rush drills with running backs and tight ends in, in protection, uh, he really stood out to me there. Uh, I ended up going with Baron Browning from Ohio State. Yep. And the the versatility is what really intrigues me here because he came in huge uh, and we saw the size. And then we see him at Sam linebacker. You see him up on the line of scrimmage, jamming tight ends off the release. You see him as a blitzer at times. We saw him lined up as, a, as basically as a de- designated pass rusher off the edge. And uh, I saw him collapse the pocket against offensive tackles. I'm pretty sure he gave it uh, to Spencer Brown on one play uh, on day two. So you see that ability to win as a pass rusher. We know that he can win you know, from the second level as a run defender. And then also seeing pressed man to man against the tight end and being able to hold his own. Baron Browning, uh, I thought checked a lot of boxes this week. So I, I ended up settling in with him. Yeah, that would have been my my second choice because exactly what you said. He can do so much, and you know, whether he's a, a designated pass rusher, whether you want to play him off the ball, uh, you know, he can play man. There's just so much you can do with him, and I thought he showed that this week. So there were two corners that I thought about giving this one to. Uh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna see who you came up with here. We'll see if uh, this is one of them. Uh, I went with Benjamin Saint Just from Minnesota. That was not, that was not one of my two. Okay. I was really impressed with him. Six, nice. three and a half, 80 inch wingspan. And he moves really well for the position. He's a little grabby and he's yep. a little undisciplined, but light feet, smooth hips and his length. It really allows him to make plays on the football. No doubt. I thought he did it consistently this week. So uh, St. Juice to me, that's uh, that, that was the practice uh, cor- or the cornerback that wins practice uh, uh, of the week for me. So- he uh there were a few where you saw that length was just able to to come in handy on the at the very last second and he was able to poke a ball on the ground. Um, I believe he had a, a pass but it was against Tylen Wallace. It was against one of the better receivers this week, uh, where he was able to go up and jar the ball loose. And I'm like, man, like I you haven't seen the ball hit the ground often when it was targeted to this guy. Um, yeah, I think that he's he certainly had some moments. I ended up going there were two names. I went Aaron Robinson and mm-hmm. Trey Brown. I'm gonna go Aaron Robinson here. Um, I think Trey Brown has given up some, some catches deep, especially yesterday at day two. I thought, uh, he got beat a couple of times. I'm going Robinson. He gave up some catches, but he was in the hip pocket of receivers consistently going to get knocked a little bit because I feel that, you know, that he came in a little bit, a lot, I should say a lot smaller than people, uh, I think anticipated. So I think people are going to have to recalibrate in terms of how they kind of view him as not a six foot one corner with this great length, but, uh, the fact that he's still so sticky in coverage, his ability to win in transition, his competitiveness, his versatility, all that stuff was on display. He lined up inside and outside this week. Uh, I, I went with Aaron Robinson. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I, 
there were times where, you know, he arrives too quickly that, that physicality that you, that you like about him. Sometimes that worked against him, but yeah, for the most part, it was a, it was a strong week for him. Do I need to ask uh, who you're going to give to give, give the safety to, or do we just say it's Richie Grant and move on? Yeah. Speaking of UCF. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who else? I mean, look, I, I had a third round grade on him coming into the week. I really liked him. I, I thought I was kind of ahead of the curve by, you know, having a third round grade on him. Now, this guy's going top 50. I'm wow. telling you, he, wow. he's made that big of a jump. Um, and I, I think he's a, the second safety in this class behind only Morig, uh, TCU. Wow. Um, he's, he's clearly the top senior safety in my opinion. And then I think he's, you know, going to be graded higher than, uh, you know, the Oregon kid or, uh, some of these other safeties that might go on mm-hmm. day two. So I, I big fan of Richie Grant before the week and even more so now. And we'll be talking to his coach here uh, in a couple segments, uh, Willie Martinez. We'll talk about Aaron Robinson and Richie Grant, and you'll get to learn more about what he's like off the field, which is uh, is always good. Uh, I went with DeMar Hamlin as well. Just wanted to kind of throw mm-hmm. his name in there. I think he's done some things kind of similar to Grant, where even when he's matched up against receivers in one-on-ones, yeah, he's going to give up the catch, but he was really competitive. And I thought Hamlin never panicked once this week. You saw him play in the post. You saw him play in the slot. Showed off that versatility that uh, he put on display during his career Pit. I, I went with DeMar Hamlin. I was pretty impressed uh, overall with him this week. Overall, I felt like the safety class, a little bit underwhelming uh, down here. Uh, I thought overall, I was hoping for a little bit more uh, on the whole, but I, I thought both guys, Richie Grant and DeMar Hamlin, both did some good things this week for sure. Yeah, and I would throw maybe Sean Davis in there as well. Yeah. I, I think he moves really well. Tyree Gillespie had his moments, um, and Jacoby Stevens had a pick today, so that was good to see uh, from him, from LSU. Sure. Well, well, uh, Dane, we will be talking about our big takeaways just from the entire week and guys that helped themselves. will obviously uh, reflect on the game next week. It's been fun doing these daily podcasts with you. Thanks so much for joining us every single day here from Mobile, Alabama on the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, so it's like I said at the top of the show, pick six. We're going to be joined here by Ben Fennell to break down uh, six matchups for Saturday's game that we find to be kind of interesting. And so I picked out the matchups. Ben has been through all the film. He's been watching all the film um, from home just as I have. And so, Ben, uh, let's talk through some of these ones, man. It's going to be exciting just to be able to see these guys take the field for some live action on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. A really exciting group of, uh, you know, receivers and corners. I feel like we've gotten a little bit dulled down seeing the same matchups every day. And now we just kind of lick our chops to see some real competition on Saturday, uh, for lack of better words, now that we have the other teams finally uh, facing off. Exactly. And what I like about watching the Senior Bowl is that it is so vanilla schematically. So you're just letting the guys play. You know, we're, we're just letting these guys go. Uh, who are the guys? And, and the other thing, too, this year with, you know, the, with the pandemic, they're not bringing in late, you know, guys, late additions and stuff like that. They've accounted for that with the numbers already. So, uh, you know, they there's not going to be guys that are suiting up that, oh, they, they this guy just got here on Thursday. He doesn't know anything that's going on or we haven't seen him at all. These guys have all been here all week. So I'm excited uh, just to see these guys take the field. So my first of six matchups that I outlined, the American outside receivers. So I picked three guys. Cornell Powell, Josh Palmer, and Austin Watkins from UAB, who has played inside and outside. Let me let me reset this a little bit. Cornell Powell, the wide receiver from Clemson, for those who, who don't know. Josh Palmer from Tennessee, who I wish we had talked about more this week. I think he's really flashed. And Austin Watkins from UAB. Those three guys, 
going up against the national outside corners who I think overall have struggled. The corner group overall has struggled uh, down in mobile, but Keith Taylor, I think has flashed from Washington, uh, tall, long kid, uh, Thomas Graham from Oregon, kind of opposite. He's a little bit on the smaller side, instinctive and scrappy. And then Benjamin St. Just as well uh, from Minnesota. Uh, he is like Taylor where he is a long, you know, uh, you know, the uh, rangy corner with that ability to disrupt. So those three receivers against those three corners, how do you kind of see uh, some of these matchups shaking out? Obviously it's not going to be every guy uh, one-on-one rep after rep, but how do you see it shaking out? Well, Paolo Palmer and Watkins, three guys that excel at the catch point, really yeah. competitive of rim really competitive down in the red zone keith taylor benjamin st juice two really long limb corners both have done a really good job playing the ball down the field this week and really attacking the catch point of different receivers thomas graham's been a little surprising i think he's you know taking his lumps each day in practice here but being that smaller corner playing some of that nickel role you're playing some of the shiftiest receivers out there so he's obviously had to cover the demetric feltons of the world and all sorts of other electric mm. uh you know shifty receivers and backs uh this week but saint juice is another guy that's actually played some safety he's 6'3 200 pounds so seeing where else he can contribute and maybe sticking his nose in the run game or as a blitzer uh you know can definitely add to his stock yeah and if that's the case like if if thomas graham is forced to play inside if saint juice ends up moving up to safety i would imagine cam bynum uh gets the lion's share of the reps uh outside corner on the right side so uh we'll keep an eye on that that receiver group, though, for the American side is just so talented. I could have put three or four other names in there that I was excited to watch. That that group overall, just really, really good. And I, I would say the same thing about the national school, national uh, group. And as Dane mentioned, some of these guys didn't practice today. No D. Eskridge today. No Tylen Wallace today. So we'll see if they're able to go. My guess is a lot of these guys are going to be urged to kind of suit up first for Saturday since they're not doing any of these replacement players. But uh, you look at that group, whether it's Tylen Wallace, D. Eskridge, Kay Johnson, who, who I gave my my uh, game ball to uh, in terms of having the, the or being the practice player of the week at receiver, going up against these American corners. And uh, to me, my two favorite corners in uh, coming into the week were Aaron Robinson and Ifatu Melifanu. Aaron Robinson from Central Florida came in on the smaller side. He was my practice player of the week at corner. And Ifatu Melifanu, I really like this kid. He's long. He's instinctive uh, from Syracuse. Got some versatility. Uh, how do you like that? The, the, you know these matchups kind of uh, you know unfolding in front of us. Well, Kay Johnson, I completely agree with you. Has been a heck of a practice player, heck of a college football player. I was just watching his tape a few minutes ago. I had two really nice touchdowns in the red zone. In every rep with him, Fran, you just see some sort of nuance or some sort of crafty. Uh, you know, aspect of getting open, whether it's his releases, the route stems, head fakes at the catch point. I got news for you. They didn't all work, but the game is so slow to him and that he can try these different moves and know how to set up corners and create space and leverage different areas of the field. He's a really interesting uh, receiver. I can't wait to see how he matches up with a feisty Aaron Robinson or the length and size of a, a Fetu Melifanwu. That's not a great matchup for Melifano. You know, Kay Johnson's a really shifty receiver. D. Eskridge, really shifty receiver. Talon Wallace, a guy that knows how to get open. I want to see if Aaron Robinson and Melifano can move their feet and cover these guys and blanket these shiftier, smaller receivers. We know Robinson's tough. We know Melifano is huge and has the wingspan. Can we actually cover you know, the quick shifty receivers uh, on Sundays. So I want to see what they can do. Aaron Robinson's a guy that is kind of projecting to a nickel safety, in my opinion, but he might be able to slide out and play corner for you. He might be able to slide in and play linebacker for you. 
So where his kind of next fit is, I think uh, handling some of these matchups will really kind of tell us. Yeah, and, and Mark Webb from Georgia is a safety who has been playing in the nickel throughout the course of this week as well. So he would be another guy to watch in that matchup against Cade Johnson. Uh, let's go to the third one, American interior offensive line. And so uh, the, the way that these teams have been doing it for the most part, they've been trying to keep the groups together, the guys that are going to be playing together. So when I look at this from a trio – yeah, like we really love what uh, some of these guys have done on an individual basis, but I wanted to pick the best trio. And I look at Trey Smith from Tennessee, Drake Jackson, the center from Kentucky, and then the mammoth offensive guard, Deontay Brown from Alabama. That trio on the American side, going up against the national defensive side where you've got Osa Digizua, a guy that has flashed every single day, really stout, crafty with his hands, has the ability to win in multiple ways. And Rashad Weaver, a college defensive end who at 6'6", 270 pounds, has been seeing a lot of time on the inside as well. So uh, what do you think of that matchup on the interior, the American interior O-line against the national defensive line? Well, I love those three, Trey Smith, Yontay Brown, sandwiching the undersized Drake Jackson, but it really kind of helps the complement of styles and allow him to kind of go up to uh, the second level, get some linebackers, maybe reach some three techs and some outside zone. His quickness off the ball was really, really good. These interior D linemen for the national are interesting. Odigi Zua is a guy that's played one tech today, three tech today. He was taking one-on-one reps at defensive end today. Stout against double teams. He flashed some quickness off the ball. This is everything we saw him on tape at UCLA. And I think when I was doing your film breakdown of him, I said, Fran, every play, I didn't know if it was going to be power and strength or quickness. I think he had a really unique skill set to kind of flash both of those can line up up and down the D line. And Rashad Weaver has played most of his week at three tech on the inside this week. He's yep. 260, 265, maybe even up to 270 at this point uh, in his off season, but two really stout players in there. And I do not like anybody against Trey Smith, Deontay <laughs> Brown and, and Drake Jackson. So they're going to have their hands full, but also Digizua probably one of my top five players of the week uh, as far as impressions uh, through his three days of practice. Really shallow pool of defensive tackles down at the game. It's been a lot of defensive ends playing inside on a more full-time basis. And we can say that the same thing about this next group. And and that's going to be the national interior offensive line. And, Look, we Quinn Miners, we've talked about every single week, and we we argued in the last segment that he could be the practice player of the week. But obviously with the hands, we'll see if he's going to go. And then the, the, the other thing, too, I, I want to take into account the entire trio. And I'm more excited about the overall trio of Robert Hainsey and Aaron Banks from Notre Dame, those guys from the Fighting Irish, and Creed Humphrey at center from Oklahoma going up against this American defensive front where you've got Marvin Wilson on the inside. You've got uh, Marvin Tuipolotu from USC also on the inside. Then Carlos Basham from Wake Forest, another big defensive end that has seen a lot of time on the interior this week as well. How do you like uh, these two trios going head-to-head this this weekend? Well, Hainsey's obviously going through a positional change. He played right tackle at Notre Dame, has played some guard uh, throughout the week, even took some center snaps today. So just trying to figure out where his best spot is. He has some length issues. Issues, obviously, and some athleticism issues that he's a good fit just to be on the inside with big Aaron Banks, man, Aaron Banks, he gets his hands on you. He is as strong and as powerful as anybody in this class right up there with Deontay Brown and Dickerson 
and they're people movers, but he needs to go hit those targets. Creed Humphrey, really good player. Yeah, Basham's a really interesting guy because he's, you know, another guy about 270, 275, can slide into three tech. He could play off the edge as well. He's really giving guards a lot of trouble with his quickness, his explosiveness, explosive first step to get into gaps as well. So I'm really interested to see him battle maybe the bigger Aaron Banks, but somebody that maybe doesn't handle the quickness very well. I think it's going to be an interesting conflict of style there. Yeah, it's one of those styles make fights conversations where it's like, all right, no like uh, Aaron Banks and Marvin Wilson. I think that's, you know, fair fight. Let's see those guys go belly to belly and, and see who comes out on top. And then on the other hand, hey, if you see like an Aaron Banks going up against a Carlos Basham, if it's pass rush, I like Carlos Basham all day. I think Banks has had a lot of issues in pass pro throughout the course of the week. If it's run game, Banks is going to be moving Basham. Uh, that would be a, a really, it's going to be just a, a fun matchup to be able to go back and study. And what's, uh, what's been your impression of uh, Creed Humphrey so far this week down there? He's played a lot of guard and center as well. Yep. And it's been, he's been exactly what I expected because watching him at Oklahoma, you don't see a guy who's like a pure people mover, the power off the ball. He's not like a, a wow athlete or this crazy physical specimen but he's got a great understanding of angles. He's got a great understanding of timing and he uses his hands really well. He consistently, we've seen him, you know, these scoop blocks, these reach blocks from the backside and zone runs. We'll see that uh, on Saturday as well. I think that he's one of the more technically sound offensive linemen in this draft, really, really smart player. And I think that shows up with the way he plays. Is that kind of how you see him? Yeah, I feel like he was a little bit of a mauler early on at Oklahoma where he had a, a little bit more brute strength and was getting after guys. He's really more of a technician now yes. and does a lot of weird finesse stuff to position himself to get the job done. Not necessarily just trying to crush people and finish people, but a very methodical uh, player at this point in his career, which we love to see from that center spot. No doubt. Let's go to our, our fifth matchup here. The American running backs against the national linebackers. This is a little bit tough. Look, with both with these two positions in particular, it's tough to really get a good sense of it until you get to the game, until you get the live tackling. You don't get to see the guys that have great contact balance running through arm tackles and things like that in team periods in practice, right? So uh, being able to see the linebackers tackle to the ground, the running backs trying to shake those guys, that's going to be huge for these players. And so when I look at Kylan Hill, and Chris Evans from the American squad. And I would throw Larry Roundtree in there as well from a running standpoint, but Kylan Hill and Chris Evans from a pass game standpoint, I'm very interested to see against these national linebackers, Chaz Surratt and Tony Fields, who I think that's their area of expertise is their ability to play in space. So really just seeing these two sets of uh, space players, Hill and Evans on the American side at running back, and then the national linebackers, Chaz Surratt from North Carolina and Fields from West Virginia. Seeing these guys do battle will be fun. Yeah, the National uh, threw a couple screens in the team session today that I I didn't think the linebackers had the right keys and eyes on. So I'm interested to see if they're going to, uh, you know, settle down and be a little bit more technically sound if the American team comes at them with some screens, which is something Chris Evans has done great with his time up at Michigan. Kylan Hill, Flash, he could catch the ball under Mike Leach's system for those first two or three weeks before he opted out. You know, Chaz Surratt and Tony Fields are really, really interesting players, and I'm not sure there's ever going to be a consensus, you know, on them as far as uh, their status, their evaluation, their upside, their potential, because they're two guys that flash first round abilities at times. Mm. And then they flash some seventh round abilities at times. And it's almost like which game are you watching, which week are you watching? Um, because you can fall in love with them and you can hate them on the same day. Yep. Uh, so I think, and, and I think their practice really reflected that. 
I think they each flashed some good things and they struggled with some things. Um, so I think the game will really give them each an opportunity to settle down their evaluation for this week, at least for better or worse. You know, to, let's figure out who you are. If you stink, you stink. If you're great, you're great. But we need some sort of consistent baseline uh, of evaluating these guys. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's well said. And I think you could say the same about uh, this group here in our sixth matchup, the national tight ends. And as we talked about with Dane, none of these guys have really flashed. But again, once we get into the live action, what do Hunter Long and Kenny Aboa bring, uh, especially in the past game? Because seeing these guys uh, get up to the second level, what can they do out in space going up against and a combination of American linebackers and safeties, just guys that I feel we'll see matched up on the tight end. You're talking about Jabril Cox, the linebacker from LSU, Hamza Nazardine, the safety from Florida State, who struggled with receivers this week, but had some nice plays and coverage against tight ends one-on-one uh, throughout the course of the week as well. And then Richie Grant, uh, who Dane just can't stop raving about uh, from Central Florida. We'll be hearing from his coach in the next segment. Uh, how do you like this matchup here on Saturday? Well, Hunter Long, Kenny Oboa, two guys that are th- Three down tight ends because of their ability to block both in line and on the move. Kenny Aboa, much more of a wing player. Hunter Long can play in line. I want to see if maybe you can leak them vertically or to the intermediate part of the defense off play action this week. That's kind of their cream of the crop as far as getting open in the pass game. But two guys that block exceptionally well. And I think there's a bunch of tight ends this week doing some really good work in the trenches. And I know we look at tackles a lot and we love the big nose tackles and the speed of the linebackers. The tight ends pass protecting, the tight ends run blocking are getting after it this week. Whether it's these two, Hunter Long, Yaboa, whether it's John Bates at Boise State, which was a late add to the game, who's really impressed both of us as we dig into some of these guys' profiles. Really interesting players. Um, but same kind of thing with Jabril Cox, Nazar Ladeen, two guys that can flash some really, really impressive tape and then let you down as well. Um, and two guys that I think their positional fit and their projection is still, you know, kind of uh, fluid at the moment. So Nasruddin tried to show off some cornerback stuff. If he could handle some receivers and things like that, I like him as that box safety. You know, using his range and his playmaking ability in the middle of the field, those long limbs uh, definitely checked out in his measurements. Okay. And then Richie Grant, just that that linear ball, you know, ball of energy all over the field. And really excited to hear William Martinez gush about uh, Aaron Robinson and Richie Grant. And uh, he certainly knows them better than anybody in the country. Yeah, no question. Before I toss to that segment, uh, Ben, we'll be talking to you on Monday late afternoon for a, for Tuesday's podcast. Me, you, Dane, we're going to reflect on the entire week of practice and as well as the game. Big winners. I'm thinking we'll go through some superlatives. I even got some sound uh, that we'll cover uh, on Monday afternoon. We'll talk to you then next week on the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. Right now, let's get over to Mr. Relevant. I teed it up enough uh, already in this episode. Central Florida defensive backs coach Willie Martinez to talk about two of the most buzzworthy defenders in this game. That's Aaron Robinson and Richie Grant. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Well, excited to welcome in here to the Journey to the Draft podcast, UCF secondary coach, assistant head coach, Willie Martinez. Coach, thanks for joining me. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. So I want you to kind of introduce us here to a, a couple of Golden Knights and a couple of guys heading down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl. And we're going to start with cornerback Aaron Robinson. And this was a guy I watched a few games, Coach, and was a really fun player to watch, really intriguing, uh, 6'1", just under 200 pounds, and spent a lot of time in the slot. But I saw a game as well uh, outside a corner, so he's played a couple different roles for you. Excited to just get – if you could just give us like a scouting report on the field of what Aaron brings to the table. Um, Aaron's was a, uh, obviously a kid that I was at another school, 
that was a heavily recruited kid coming out of South Florida. Um, he's always been, uh, obviously, uh, I wanted him where I was at the previous school I was at. And, and a lot of schools wanted him. Obviously, he ended up signing with Alabama. And then, uh, obviously, uh, I was not here when it happened, but it transpired. But he transferred and ended, ended up transferring to UCF. And uh, we got a chance to start coaching him in 18 when we came here as a new staff. Um, he was playing corner. He is a corner. He's got a corner skills. Um, but uh, he played a little bit in 2018 until he got uh, an injury. Um, and uh, and then the, the next year, the uh, 19th season, uh, was his really first year that he actually became a full-time starter. We moved him to the, to the nickel position. You had said the slot position on defense, which is the toughest position to play because they're generally that's where they put the most athletic fastest guys so to speak and as far as wide receivers um and then he would have to play the run game too so it is the number one position in our scheme i know uh at the next level it's probably the most important if not one of the most important positions because they're dealing with the same thing that i'm talking about very athletic very fast guys um would have to be asked to play some of that run game so he had to learn that and coming from the outside going inside um but he spent the time there in the spring, had a great spring in 2019, and then obviously led to a great uh, a 2019 season for him um, where he got a bunch of picks and, and uh, was very productive, was without a doubt our best player in 19 on defense. And uh, we were able to put him and match him up with the, the best receivers um, that we were going against. And obviously he did a great job. And doing that, gained some confidence. Obviously, was very healthy. Um, had a great, career, uh, great season in 2019, and then obviously this year, going into the 2020 season, and 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 what it obviously with the pandemic and and all the things that we had to juggle um, as a program, along with everybody else across the country, um, he decided to come back. He felt like he needed to continue to mature, put two years back to back together that he had not had before, and, and again, just like where he left off in 19. Um, we, we wanted to be able to, he played corner our first year. We moved him the slot full time, but we wanted to be able to keep him on the field too. Cause he was our best cover guy, um, all around player really along with Richie Grant. Uh, but, uh, we didn't want to take him off the field. So we started, we said, and also for his, his pro career, we wanted to give, um, him an opportunity to showcase what he can do on the outside. So we started playing him more at corner along with nickel and not taking them off the field with regular defense when we went to three linebacker system. So we kept them on the field. He did a really good job this year with that. And uh, I can't say enough of great things. Obviously, he's got his degree, graduated in four years, um, had a fantastic finish to, to his career here at UCF, helped us win a bunch of games, obviously a championship. And, um, and you know, one of the things he wanted to come back to, Fran, was he wanted to be able to be more vocal, more communication, work on his communication skills. Um, he has to do that as far as communicating on the field with all the other defenders, but he wanted to be more vocal. He wanted, you know, he wanted some help with that. He wanted to help, um, you know, do better in his interviews, do better, you know, just, just cause he's a very quiet kid. Um, you know, he's not, he's kind of to himself. Um, he's a great teammate, um, but he wanted to be more vocal. He wanted to, he wanted to step up a little bit more. And I think he did that a smart kid. Um, you know, has a wonderful family, um, obviously uh, a mother that uh, he thinks the world of that. Uh, and he comes from a really good uh, high school in Deerfield Beach where they're used to winning. So um, 
we're just excited for him in this future. And I think that anybody that gets him at the next level is getting a dynamic kid in the sense that he can play on the outside. And he can also play on the inside um, because he's got tremendous speed. He's a, a tough kid. He's a very good tackler, explosive. He can get in the box, actually has a little bit of a safety mentality as far as physicality. Um, you know, so I'm excited to see what's 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 in store for him in, in the future here. Yeah, Coach, that was uh, one of my next questions was going to be just about the, the competitiveness and the urgency that he plays with. And that was one of the things that I, I was most intrigued by, even just playing man-to-man coverage. I mean, you see the willingness to battle from snap to whistle uh, each and every down. And I'm always looking for that for outside corner. You know you need it in the slot. As you mentioned, you're playing uh, close to right. the box. You need that mentality. Uh, how have you you've seen – has that been something that you saw from day one, or has he kind of grown in that area over the course of his I, career? You know, we weren't sure about that. He's always been very competitive. Um, the one thing great about him, he's a great – I call it a great finisher. He's – you know, he may not – it may not be perfect. It may not be exactly what you want on the on the on the start of the play. Whether he may take a false step or not in very good position uh, leverage. You know, unfortunately, I've coached the position all my life. Uh, all the great ones are are not in perfect position. They just find a way to scratch and claw and and learn to be really good finishers. And Aaron's a finisher. He he may be beat on that. And there might be a window there, but he's so competitive. And he's a physical kid, and not only does he finish, you know, the finish the uh, the uh, basically finish the play, but there's a physicality to it yep. that you can see on film. And he's very competitive. It's really kind of it's 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 uh, it's not weird. It's kind of it's it's not his personality. If you if you mm-hmm. if you sit down and talk to him, very soft spoken kind of kid, uh, not much of a uh, self promoter kind of say. You know what I mean? You're not going to get that. Uh, that personality of, you know, look at me kind of deal. It's kind of like, he's kind of like, I'll show you what I'm all about and won't talk about it. But uh, yeah, he's a great finisher. We like to say on, on defense. And coach, the last question I had about Aaron was just, you know, scouts are always wondering what, how much does a guy love the game? You talked about why the reasons why he wanted to come back for his senior season. Is there like an example or, or an instance that you kind of remember the man, like, this is like proof that how much this kid just loves everything about the process and uh, what it takes to be great. Yeah. He's a very good dub. He did not. He was one of those guys kind of learning the process, just like a lot of kids as far as taking notes, preparing, you know, you got to, to, to be successful on the field. Now he was a very talented kid. Almost these kids are uh, the guys that have the skill set like Aaron, but you got to put the work in and he was willing to put the work in. He takes really good notes. Um, there's, there's, uh, he wants to be great. He, he actually does the things off the field as far as taking care of himself, making good decisions, um, taking care of his body, managing that. Um, you know, uh, he's, he's, he's a strong kid in the weight room. Um, but I, the other thing about him that, that shows case that how much he loves it, you know, game day, I like to use that in, on game day ex- experiences. He takes good um, instructions, critique. Um, wants to fix the problems. I like to, I like to coach guys that are problem solvers. Unfortunately, that's really not unfortunately, but that's really what a defensive guy's got to do because the offenses have so much of the advantage. They're so good, so talented um, that you've got to be able to be a guy that can overcome adversity and his, his game day presence, he, his, his attention to detail and wanting to make a big play and then coming through and making a big play uh, really good game day adjustment guy doesn't panic very calm 
you know, um, and, and uh, he's really grown into that, you know, and, and, and I think it's his preparation. So, Coach, the second guy I want to ask you about, uh, another Golden Knight heading down to Mobile, safety, Richie Grant, uh, three-year starter, six foot, 195 pounds. And, you know, you talked about the physicality with Aaron. That was the number one thing that stood out to me with Richie. I mean, some of the biggest hits from I've seen from any safety I've studied uh, so far in this group. Give us a, a scouting report uh, on Richie and what he brought to your defense. Well, Richie was the leader of our defense. I mean, he was one of our leaders, uh, and, and he did it by, by, by setting the example of how you're supposed to act so-called like a pro. I like to use the word pro professionally, not just an NFL guy. I mean, be very professional at your job. Your job, anybody's job is, is about the small details, you know, the small details that matter. And, uh, you know, like we like around here, we like to say how you do anything is how you do everything. You know, it's very important. He's a very, very uh, detail-oriented kind of guy that it matters. The little things matter. Um, you know, so I'm not surprised at the way he finished his career because it's important to him. Um, and and very similar to to Aaron, you know, they 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 improved each and every year. Um, they took coaching. They're they're very coachable players. Richie is like a coach on the field. Um, and I think that that's where, you know, Aaron really took off and, 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 and took some, some pointers from him because how much he had to be on the field as far as giving instructions, but you had to do it. You had to do it yourself first. And that's kind of like a rich, you know, Richie has done is, is Richie came here, um, was, did not recruit him. Obviously I've been coaching him the last three years. Um, you know, he, he earned a spot when we first got here, actually, you know, became a starter and dethrone another really good football player that was a starter, a captain of the team. And, and uh, so he did it right from the beginning, you know, just prove his worth, uh, just how he did things every day. Had an outstanding 2018. Um, didn't have quite the year um, uh, of 2019 that, that was, you know, that, that 18 was. We challenged him. We told him that we think he's maybe might be thinking too full, too full of himself in a sense that great kid meaning, but, reading the clippings and all that. So, you know, refocused about the end of the year last year and got back to that, 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 that where he was at in 18, as far as focused and making a bunch of plays. I think he was pressing too much last year and then take it to this coming year in a, in a tough year. Like I said before, COVID year um, quarantine, he came back with a vengeance. You know, he said he was going to come back. He was going to refocus kind of a new version, you know, reinvent himself, the new version of Richie Grant, so to speak, and and uh, become a better leader, a better person that can prepare. Um, you know, we talk about at our place where you're really not going to be a great defensive player unless you're really a great special teams player because it's, it's dealing with space. You know, I really want – we wanted him to start at least on two special teams um, to set the example how important special teams are to play complementary football. He did that all year. He's one of our best special teams players this past year. Unselfish, um, very, very selfless. Um, but yeah, you brought up about his physicality, but you know, it's, it's really everything. It's, it's mm -hmm. his attention to detail, um, uh, making sure that everybody else knows what they're supposed to do, starting with himself. Um, he can play any position on the back end. Um, obviously it's, it's, it's a perfect position. He plays the safety position. We can move him from weak side or strong side. He can play nickel. He played nickel this year. We played him at dime. We can line up at Mike linebacker. He'll know how to play linebacker. He knows, he understands the defense. Uh, he's a student of the game. Um, 
And it was great to see him come back very, very productive this year, right from the get-go, from play one. I think it might have been the first play of the Georgia Tech game, man, where the quarterback scrambled out and he delivered a hit that kind of set the tempo of our season uh, for him himself. But for that game, we always talk about the way you play the game, you know, and uh, let's not wait for the offense to dictate the tempo of it because we're dealing with so many tempo offenses. The only way we can do it is by physicality and causing turnovers, creating, um, you know, some negative plays um, for the offense. So he did that from the, from from game one all the way through game nine. He elected not to play the last game, which we understand. Um, but I can't tell you, I've been around a lot of guys, been able to, been blessed to be coached a lot of great players. But from start to finish, from the from saying when I was going to do it in January to the end in his last ball game, I mean, he had, he had, I can tell you this. I mean, every game he was really, he was affecting the plays that the offenses were running, um, you know, basically from, from our standpoint, very positively negative for them. And, uh, and we needed him to be that way. We didn't have the year defensively that we would like statistically and all that kind of stuff in the year that we had, but Richie had his best year since he was here, the three years we've been here. And which is good to see, you know, because this is his last year, you know, it wasn't the beginning of the year and uh, it wasn't his first year where he had an outstanding year. He's a three-time uh, unanimous all-conference player. Um, you know, obviously he's a finals, he's a finalist for the Jim Thorpe and, and he's well-deserving of that. He has great stats and, and uh, he's a great leader. He's a great kid, got his degree uh, just like Aaron. And um, so, you know, icing's on the cake now for anything that comes to him, you know, so we're proud of him because, uh, because you know what, he he not only had a great career here, but and won some championships, but he also left a legacy for these kids, these young players, to see what it's like every day. He is a gym rat now. He is a true. I have no problems when the NFL scouts and the player personnel guys that I've talked to, because I'm going to get the question. You really, they're not going to ask questions how good of a player he is because they trust their evaluations as they should. They want to know the inside stuff, the stuff sure. that. You know, how does he prepare? How does he learn? And I can't tell you, I can't wait when they ask me that question about Richie because, hey, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm, I, I, can, I can guarantee you this, that when you have him in an interview, that he's going he's gonna to be very professional. And I think you're going to really love what you see because uh, he, could, he really knows our defense. He really knows, understands ball. He's got a passion for it. Um, so I think that uh, whoever gets him along with Aaron, but Richie obviously being the, 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 the captain, he's sitting in the middle of your defense and to be able to do what he has done the last three years, very consistent and finishing out on top the way he did is, is uh, a credit to him, but also looking forward to what, you know, what the future has for him too. And the last question, you, you talked about what he can bring from off the field standpoint. Coach, every single year in the draft, there are guys that play up the middle on defense, linebacker and safety that weren't height, weight, speed guys going to the combine and the pro day, but have that ability to come in and be day one starters. And I feel like he profiles as a player like that. You see the way that he plays, the way that he is able to read route concepts and get to the ball a little bit faster than guys that maybe are going to time a little bit better. Can you just talk about just the obviously the importance of that part, that side of the game for the safety spot, but especially in today's game with the way you talked about how offenses are able to win in so many different ways and how they stretch uh, and stress defenses. How important is that safety role in terms of being able to match up and be versatile uh, and be able to execute what you call on a down by down basis? Yeah. You know, as, as coaches, we always say, I mean, the only chance you really 
have as a, as a coach on defense or vice versa if you're an offensive coach is to really understand and study the opposing opposite side of the ball. You have to really understand what they're trying to attack, how they're attacking you, what are the strengths and weaknesses against that, you know what I mean, that defense. you got to really get into the mindset of the offensive coordinator and what they're thinking. You know, we always start off with, you know, the idea of the quarterback is the guy, you know. I mean, what is he thinking on every down? So that goes along with, so if we call a defense, okay, if what's the strength and weakness of the defense? Because you got to know that because the quarterback knows that. He's been coached up. He understands that if you're playing a two-deep coverage, so to speak, then you're going to get the two-deep beaters, so to speak, the routes. Yep. If you play three-deep, you're going to get the three-deep beaters. If you play man-to-man, you're going to get all the pick routes, the mesh routes. Richie understands that. That's what I was trying to say to you. That's what you're getting out of Richie Grant is that he is ready for that. He understands that when he lines up, a lot of guys have a lot of talent, a lot of skill sets and stuff. You know, we, we know that. But what makes the Hall of Famers, all the great ones, you know, and, and I like to use, you know, my, one of my favorites is Daryl Greens of the world that played for Washington for 20-something years. Same, you know, whether it's Ronnie Lott, who's one of my favorite the favorite safety that, you know, I grew up watching. A lot of these kids don't know who they are, but I try to always say to them, you know, because I know it's important for them to, you know, it's, it's important for them to like the guys that, that in this era. I get that part because there are a lot of great players. But really, what did they, why are they so special is because the guy, they put a lot of time and effort into preparing. A lot of, you know, they were studying the game. They understand the, 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 the strengths and weaknesses of the defense because that's what the offense is preparing for and going to attack you. So what does that do? It gives you, it creates a, a great anticipation of what's about to happen, you know, prior to the snap. If you can, if you can dial into the down and distance, if you can dial into the personnel that they have on the field. Okay. And then the personnel, as far as receivers and tight ends and running backs. Okay. Where are the dudes at? Because that's where they're going to go to when it's third down or in the red zone right. or in a two minute situation, which the NFL really, that's what it comes down to a lot of is the first half at the end of the first half and the, the end of the games is that they're going to go to their go-to guys. They're going to go to their favorite plays. They're going to be going to the beaters. Richie's ready for that, you know, cause he's again, has to do that in our defense and make all the calls, but he's, he's a smart player along gifted with his talent and skills. So Aaron is very similar. You know what I mean? Um, now, he didn't have to make all the calls like Richie had to do that and know everything. Um, so that's what you're getting with Richie Grant. You know, you're getting somebody who's a, a student in the game, basically a coach on the field with his skill set. And that's going to help him solve problems when he sees it happening, you know, as the play prior to developing or while it's happening. He'll have an idea where there should be going, where the quarterback's going with the ball, you know, and and uh, and, and that's what I'm excited to see him just – you know, it's uh, it's fun to watch a kid develop through it, the process of trusting the program, trusting the process, trusting uh, the coaching staff and the support staff that if they give you everything they got and if you put as much into it as everybody that's putting into it in, this, in the program, you'll see what's going to get you what's going to give you. And again, he's got his he's got his degree, which is unbelievable. Um, um, very good GPA. Uh, he's a very personable guy. He can, he can, he can bust chops with you. He can laugh at himself. He's very humble. Um, if he, if he makes a mistake, he can laugh about it. He can move on, you know, um, and he, and that's really, and that's the whole thing. You know what I mean? And it's, I'm going to miss that part of it because he's kind of a special kid in a sense that 
you always saw him every day. You saw him in the building, whether it's during the season or off the season, he was coming through that building. He was, he was interacting with either, whether it was myself or any coach training staff, he didn't hide, you know, he wasn't, not that he, somebody's going to hide, but um, it's, it's, he's ready. He's a pro. I mean, that's, I guess the best thing I can say to you is that um, I've been around it. I've been, I've been blessed to be around a lot of great players. Uh, obviously some of them are still playing in the league. You know, I, I mean, my, I just talked to Thomas Davis uh, yesterday, you know, and Thomas is retiring his 16th year in the NFL. I have a, it's a blessing for me because I got a chance to coach him when I was in Georgia and I can relay those messages to the kids, like a guy like Richie Grant, you know, why is it that he's been in the league so long? And, you know, he asked the questions. I said, look, man, the great thing about Thomas and I call him TD is that he's a great kid. First and foremost, he comes from humbling beginnings. He really doesn't come from much. Wasn't a heavily recruited kid, man. Grambling had a Grambling offer and then a George offer, you know, and there's, those are the stories that ends, ends up being Walter Payton gets the Walter Payton award from his own peers. I mean, that's an unbelievable played in the Super Bowl 16 years later, got his degree. I mean, it's like, he's a, a wonderful husband, you know, uh, a father. I mean, being able to do that and pay it forward to some of these kids like Richie Grant and Aaron Robinson is special because I can use them as an example. They don't really know him, know him because obviously he's, you know, he's been in the league for so long, but, I got Cam Sutton, who's with the Steelers. I mean, it, it's there's there's so many guys that that are still in the league that you can kind of that's what these kids do. Can you compare them to somebody that you're talking about? Or, and I think that's a blessing for me, and and the people that I've been surrounded with uh, in my coaching profession that allow me to do that because it makes it a lot easier when you have good examples to show them. Look, if you just stick to it, man. If you just if you once you get your opportunity, now it's up to you to take for it, to take advantage of all the resources you have, the people that are around you that are helping you develop and to be the man you're saying you want to be and need to be. That's Richie Grant. That's Aaron Robinson. You know what I mean? They've taken advantage of, of, of the people around them, you know, that are helping them in the process. Um, and so it's kind of cool to see them go on. And so they have an opportunity to live out their dream and play in the national football league. Well, Coach, this has been awesome. I really, really appreciate you giving us some insight into uh, Aaron and Richie and what they're going to bring to the NFL. Excited to see them uh, down here in Mobile uh, at the Senior Bowl. Again, thanks so much. Appreciate yep. it. Stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you again yep. soon. Same to you, buddy. And God bless and Happy New Year, man. And I'll probably see you down there because I'll probably be down there myself, all right? Hopefully we can get and hook up and, uh, and uh, spend a little bit more time, okay? Love it. Thanks, Coach. We'll see you, man. God right, bless. Thanks. See you, buddy. You too. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. Well, I just love the energy there from Willie Martinez, and I hope you guys have enjoyed all of these interviews. I mean, we caught up with Willie Martinez today. We had Tyler Grisham, the Clemson receivers coach, yesterday. We had Adam Fuller, the defensive coordinator from Florida State, on Wednesday's episode. And then we had uh, Jamie Chadwell, the head coach from Coastal Carolina, and Pat Narduzzi, the head coach from Pitt. So we covered something like 10, 11 of the top players down here at the Senior Bowl. We talked with their coaches, who they are on the field, who they are off the field. A lot, a lot of fun. Hope you guys have enjoyed all of those conversations here on the show. That being said, let's uh, let's get to a couple of your questions. We're going to go th- go first thing here to Maddie G underscore 28 said, love the show, love the insight every single week. Been wondering about our second round pick. Uh, and he's talking about the Eagles here. A lot of focus has been on the wide receiver selection in the draft, and I would love to see Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase, but what about the second round pick? Would love to see an offensive lineman 
like a Trey Smith on offense or maybe a Dylan Moses or an Asante Samuel Jr., what would be better for our second selection? So, uh, Matty, I wouldn't say like, oh, this is better. This is this is what you want to do. Look, I'm a big believer in this. You let the board come to you. And is it always going to be the pure best player available? Probably not. But you're trying to let the board come to you and say, look, this is where the value is at this point in the draft. This is where you know maybe there's going to be a run on this kind of position or uh, you, this guy would really, really help your football team. If you go in saying, hey, uh, draft weekend, we want to draft a wide receiver, an offensive tackle, a linebacker, a safety, a corner, and that's how we're going to come out, it's typically not going to go well for you. That's where bad picks happen. And so you're going to want, you want to kind of let the board come to you. You mentioned a couple of good players, guys that really excite me. I mean, Trey Smith is a player I could definitely see him fit. Here in Philadelphia, you look at his ability to move people at the point of attack, vertical displacement in the run game. Jeff Stoutland still here as the offensive line coach in Philadelphia, so I think that he certainly fits that mindset, fits that skill set, you know, just a unique player at the position with his size and natural power. You look at Dylan Moses, and this was a guy that uh, a five-star recruit when he arrived out of, uh, out of high school showing up at, at in Tuscaloosa at Alabama, uh, and he's got three-down potential. His ability to play sideline to sideline, he can impact the game as a blitzer. He's an aggressive run defender. Uh, came back off the injury this past year uh, in 2019. I know it was a little bit up and down for him throughout the course of the year, but I'm excited to dig further into the film. Moses, a really, really talented player. And then Asante Samuel Jr., uh, look, I would say this is an easy projection, but Asante Samuel Jr. plays the game very similarly to his dad. He's a he's a ball hawking corner, sits in off coverage, lots a lot of off zone coverage, and he's reading routes and jumping throws and taking it back the other way. Didn't have any big plays coming into this year, but he was able to make some plays in the football, created some turnovers for that Florida State defense uh, before ending up that he ended up opting out. I want to say midway through the year, but uh, Asante Samuel Jr. very similar skill set that I think a lot of people uh, will be familiar with here in the Philadelphia area. And then uh, let's get to one more here. Valhalla24 saying, awesome pod, by far the best scouting podcast Except for Ben always throws shade at my Tennessee Vols. I love, I love that. I don't know if Ben uh, intentionally is throwing shade at Tennessee, but um, you know, he's the, the, there's actually a great comment here, a great uh, suggestion. I thought it would be awesome if you guys did a draft recap from last year. We always hear about Justin Herbert or Justin Jefferson, but never about rookie offensive linemen or defensive linemen or linebackers. So maybe just going team by team and discussing their picks and who else they could have gotten if they uh, go back and do the same. Uh, Val, that's a great uh, suggestion. We did something similar this past offseason where we went back, I think, like three or four years ago, um, and we will do something like that again after the draft. And I think that's probably where we will table this discussion is let's get to uh, right after the 2021 draft happens, and then we can look back to this past rookie class. But uh, that's a great idea, and I think we'll do something uh, similar to that. So stay tuned right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. We've had a lot, a lot of new listeners join us over the last week. Hope you guys have enjoyed the daily podcast. And guess what? The action does not stop. Again, we will be here twice weekly leading up to the NFL Draft. We cover the draft year-round on this show. We don't just cover the Eagles. We cover uh, all 32 teams. We're talking about players all over the country. First-round picks, second-round picks, day three picks, undrafted free agents. We are covering it all right here on the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA. We'll talk to you guys next week. Raise a glass to that comforting feeling of an Eagles touchdown with the all-new Broad and Patterson Wine Collection created in partnership with Wink. Featuring a Cabernet, a Rosé, and a Chardonnay, Broad and Patterson wines are the perfect pairing for any occasion. Now you can bring the sweet taste of victory with you to a dinner with friends or to the tailgate with your game day crew. 
Purchase online today at philadelphiaeagles.com slash wine to stock up and have Broad and Patterson delivered right to your door. A portion of proceeds from every bottle benefit Eagles Autism Foundation. 